No pressure. Don't be intimidated or scared. You are in the deep end. If you can touch your toes and breathe, it's just, it's not quite, you're not in the right place. You got to be deeper than that. That's what the deep end means. You're not, you're, this is not the kiddie pool. This is for fantasy football players who want to figure the hard stuff out. That's I'm right. Mike Show, back with my partner from last year, Adam Krautwurst with Draft Sharks. Great to see you again, Adam. And also tonight we have Todd Kovler at DGFL9. He's going to teach us about winning high stakes best ball. Todd, I feel like you can also teach us about, you know, survivor contests and a lot of things here, depending on how long we go. Definitely, man. Whatever you want to get into. I'm a degenerate gambler. Let's do it. <laughs> Adam, you ready for this guy or what? Uh, yeah, I've been, listen, we were supposed to go Tuesday and now it's been 48 hours of just anticipation, you know, so I'm, I'm sleep, ready I to go. I hope you didn't sleep. because I, I didn't sleep. I definitely didn't sleep. Just a lot of <laughs> thoughts are running through my mind. One thing, Todd, that Adam brought up in, in our discussions about you and your success is like, it's still only March. It's early. Do you think of March as early? Because I'm sort of feel like, I feel like I'm in my my wheelhouse a little bit with the draft coming up and it's still sort of small time best ball leagues, but I feel like it's mid season in a certain way. I'm in three best balls right now. FPC two fifty slow, two hours, six hours. So I'm, it's a year round job for me. That's how you stay on par with what's going on. Just like Buffalo today, Matt Breida, just like yesterday, Mike Davis. I'm on top of it, man. This is my job. So I'm on different websites. I got the beat reporters going. I'm on Twitter and, and I draft. And to me, by staying on top of it, I got an edge right now. I watch a lot of college ball. So I'm going to have an edge right after the draft and then watching preseason games and staying on top of it. I think I'll have an edge on live drafts right before the season. Yeah. Adam, is that how you look at it too? Like people will ask me, how can you draft in February or March? Like, it's not, a, it's not really a question of that. Everybody has the same information. And, you know, Todd mentioning Mike Davis, if you happen to be in the right spot there in your draft, maybe you could have taken advantage of that. It's as long as you're working on an, uh, an even playing field with everybody else, there, there's still a game to be played. Yeah, exactly. I, in, in a perfect world, honestly, in a perfect world, I wouldn't be drafting in, in March and I wouldn't be doing sl slow drafts because I do like the even playing field as far as the live drafts because it's unless something happens within the two hours of your live draft, right, where someone has an advantage. But usually if you're in one of these slow drafts, there's six hours, 12 hours, you know, like you said, a lot of big things happen in August when there's training camp and injuries. And then you grab, you know, the handcuff in the eighth round, who's now a third round pick, you know. But yeah, I mean, this is this is the hand we're dealt. Drafting's constantly happening now. The season, there officially is no offseason now. We're draft we Mike and I did a draft, Todd. Um before the season even ended, we were, I think we we're in December, we were drafting. So oh, uh, Todd has done those. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So <laughs> that's just, that, that's how it is these days. And you have to, you have to be a part of it or guys will get a leg up on you if you're, if you're not doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Todd. So 2020 was a complicated year, just in only in the realm of fantasy football, it was still like that or fantasy sports because you always had to be sort of ready and be flexible. What kind of year was it like for you? How did you do and what were your keys last year, especially considering how much you know news there was as the season went along? Well, I don't do traditional fantasy football drafts no more because back in the day when I did them, I would stack my roster so good and then you would have to start two running backs, two receivers, 
and I would look at the running backs on my roster, and I had great matchups, and I would start two running backs that I thought that week would be good, and then the guys I have on my bench did better, and then I would get a loss. So I'm like, you know what? It would be heartbroken because you're trying to figure out all week, should I start this guy versus that defense? Should I start this guy versus that defense? And you make the right play, but then, of course, it get, it burns you. So I stopped doing traditional, man, because I know so much about sports that best ball is to my advantage because I got 28 guys on my roster and I can stack my roster so good. So the COVID, which you're saying this year, COVID uh, wasn't really a problem for me because I already knew going into COVID which guys were not going to were not going to play. They sat out. Damian Williams on Kansas City. So there was a few guys that said way before that they weren't going to play, and then you already knew who was up next on that roster and the depth chart. So to that advantage, I was cool with it. And I do one big uh, future bet every year. I took Broncos under. I hit that. So COVID had really nothing to do with that. Denver, Drew Locke, all this hype. I don't like Denver. Overhyped. And then I do a lot of DFS, FanDuel, and DraftKings, and I'm on top of that during the week. So the COVID thing really – it didn't affect me, man, because I stay on top of it. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I think – and what you're talking about too is best ball was designed for, just like you said, people who get burned setting their lineups, right? That's kind of what best ball was designed for. But what it's morphed into is, oh, wait a minute. If I don't have to do lineups, I can do – 300 drafts. You know what I mean? If I'm willing to spend the money and put in the time to actually draft, which is the best part of fantasy football in my, in my opinion. So, uh, so yeah, for, for sure. And then you referenced, you know, how you were locked in last year, you know, so who, what were some of the players and or situations in 2020 that, that you were, you know, on that helped you win, you know, over 30 grand. I had chase play bowl. I figured that offense Schuster's always running slot. Deontay Johnson's always on the outside. And then Claypool just had to beat uh, James Washington. So I didn't think that James Washington was a threat to Claypool. Claypool, Notre Dame, dude's a monster. He's a beast. So that's one of my guys. Are you worried at all this year? Not worried, but like the end of the second half of the last year, the Steelers or Big Ben just, you know, the, the wheels fell off. I was super excited about having just Deontay and Claypool there. And then Juju comes back on that cheap deal kind of water and kind of muddy in the waters there. Are you, are you locked? Now, now you obviously you were taking Claypool late, late, probably, you know, 20th round. Are you, are you willing to spend like a top seven round pick on him now? No. See the thing about best ball is like, people ask me, what's your, uh, what guys do you like? It's not what guys do I like? What guys available? What round am I drafting? I'm open yeah. to anybody. It's all yeah. about value. So like this year, well, we'll go this year. We won't, we'll hold off on that, man. But like uh, Mike Davis, Mike Davis, I liked him coming out of college, played for the Niners, bounced around the league. Now he's backing on McCaffrey. McCaffrey gets hurt. Mike Davis filled in perfectly. I got Mike Davis like 27th round and Claypool, I got at the 26th round. So those two guys made me a lot of money, man. And that's what I mean. Like I know a lot about ball. So I figured I'd get some of these guys at the end of the draft where other guys are maybe looking for older veterans or they're maybe looking for young guys thinking that they're going to do something. So it's all about the situations that these guys are in. Kareem Hunt I was on because I knew that they're going to run the ball a lot and he was going to be basically splitting with Chubbs 
So I liked Hunt. Another one was Antonio Gibson. When guys got arrested and guys got thrown off the team, Gibson was a beast in college. I'm like, if they give that dude an opportunity, that dude can do everything. And then and the last one, Robinson, I was on Robinson too because Fournette got cut. That's, Remember Fournette got cut. That's Mike's guy. Mike's Mike's claim to fame last year was Robinson. Robinson. Well, the thing that's interesting about this is that all these things happened at different times of the year, right? You had to know that Claypool was in Pittsburgh first. You had to know that Fournette, Fournette got cut in August. Gibson was – when was Geist? July, Before, June or yeah. July. So yeah. do, you, do you pretty much evenly distribute your investments or do you, you do more certain times a year? Oh, whatever opportunity I can get on, man. I'm going to go for live drafts. I'm going to go for slow drafts. I'm going to get in – this year I'm going to plan on 50 to 75 total, and they got to be 250 and up. So I want to hit a bunch of 1250s. 1250s. I only do FFBC because I like the tight end scoring. And like I said, like you said, both of you guys, you draft, you leave it alone. I don't have to do nothing. And then weekly, I can concentrate on my FanDuel and my draft DraftKings because that weekly grind to make money in that, that's a whole different animal, man. Yeah, and you've got you've got your picks too. What about so you have Mike Davis in the 26th round or Claypool in the 27th round or vice yep. versa? I would get to, this actually happened to me last year with James Robinson, where by the Draft Sharks Invitational, by mid August, I had drafted Robinson enough times and it wasn't a sure thing. This was before Fournette even got cut, where I thought, well, I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket, as they say, right? So I would stay away from him. And looking back on that, Todd, I feel like, why do that? You know, if you like him, you like him. If you want to win, you got to want to win big, you got to be prepared to sort of. Pick your your players. You're talking about opportunities and drafts. That's right. And just sort of rely on it. And if those guys get hurt, then you might be stuck. But I think that might be the kind of thinking that you need. You're right. And I think by drafting a guy like that, where maybe he won't affect you too much if he doesn't pan right. out. Right. But the upside of drafting that dude, that, that like in those rounds, like, oh, my God. That's a big plus, man. If one of your main running backs go down, like my, I did last year, Miles Sanders, Mixon, I had so many guys that McCaffrey, a few uh, drafts, Barkley, a few drafts. So having like a Barkley go down and then drafted a Robinson down here, that just cancels out McCaffrey, and I'm cool now. I don't lose a beat. Right. Yeah, no, I know you said I love it. So, you know, some guys are numbers guys, right? Some guys are are tape guys, but you said I know a lot about ball. And it's just like, so I love I love that. Now, do you have any specific strategies when it comes to so you're playing in like, you know, 250 is not to me isn't is isn't high stakes, but it's high stakes compared to a lot of these, you know, underdog fantasy, a lot of these $35 credits that we get through FFPC, and obviously 1250s, you know, you get the 1250s and you can even go up higher than that couple questions do you care about player management like roster construction as far as uh, the percentage like hey i'm not going to own a guy more than 17 percent of my teams um or do you just take each draft in, in individually and are you a um and to piggyback off that are you a like a, a heavy rb guy a zero rb guy or do you kind of just let the draft come to you exactly i let the draft come to me man if like if these drafts now it seems like it's all running back heavy in the beginning. Now it's kind of switching a little bit because now you got Drake that went to the Raiders. Josh Jacobs is kind of slipping. 
You got Jamal Williams that went to Detroit. Swift is kind of uh, dropping by. So you had a lot of dudes, Aaron Jones now. Now Aaron Jones is back in the mix, but he was slipping. But you have a lot of guys like a few weeks ago where Jonathan Taylor and all these dudes are like so running back heavy where you got to pick running backs because nothing's going to be left, man. So it all depends on the way the draft's going. But I'll switch up to whatever I have to to make my roster solid. And, and there is no format like I need to get four tight ends. If I got a Waller, if I got a Kittle, if I got a Kelsey, I don't need three other tight ends. If I think that dude's the ball, uh, best guy in, in the league, then I'll get two guys instead of my normal three. If I get Goddard as my number one, then I might have to get Goddard. I might have to get Fant, and I might have to get uh, Everett, who went to Seattle, and I might have to get four tight ends because I don't have that elite tight end. So if I get one of the big dogs, Kittles, Kelsey, Waller, then I'm going to save another roster spot for another uh, roster spot that I think is weaker that I need to build on. 250s, I want to go 500s and up, but on the FFPC, the action of 500s and 1250s, especially right now, there is none. There is none. That's right. There is none. As it gets closer, I'm on them. Yeah. I already emailed FFPC. Let's get something higher than 1250. They said they mentioned last year a 10,000 one, but nobody signed up for the 10,000 one. Well, I think COVID probably had some, I mean, I don't want to speak for FFPC, but probably a lot of, a lot of the big time players out there kind of held some of their money back because uh, of the, the weariness about COVID. But yeah, uh, that's, that sounds great, man. I mean, uh, I would, I would, I would love to, to watch you draft in a $10,000 league. Oh man, the higher, the better, man. I'm cool with that. Yeah. No, I got I'm, a bank. I got a, I got a, a bankroll that I'm 50, man. So I went through ups and downs back in the day when you're young and you gamble and you can't control your bankroll management and you lose and now you're chasing, you got emotions, man, those days are over, man. I'm a professional at this now, man. Like you yeah. said, Mike, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Vandal, DraftKings, FFPC, Circa. I won six figures. I do a little bit of everything, man. Let, let's talk just on, on best ball strategy. One more thing I'm thinking about, Todd, is quarterback. So you, you talked about tight end. I read a good – I thought it was good – a piece from Rich Rebar at uh, Warren Sharp's website where he talked about the distribution, how many quarterbacks tend to be on the winning teams in FFPC and also fan ball. How do you like to play quarterback with knowing that, you know, like all the good players, you want to just sort of size up what your what your options are at a certain point in the draft. Do you like to wait? Do you sometimes end up beating other people to quarterback and then figuring it out? What, what's best for you? Last year, I usually went around the seventh round and I would get a quarterback. This year – I'm getting a quarterback in the top four rounds because they're going quick. For some reason, they're going real quick. So I'm trying to get a a, a Kyle Murray. Murray. I'm trying to get a, a, a Jackson. I'm trying to get a Mahomes. Deshaun Watson. He looks like he's going to prison maybe. Who knows? I'm leaving him alone. He's probably getting a massage right now. So I'm leaving <laughs> Deshaun Watson alone. Uh, but I'm trying to get a top-tier quarterback and mostly a running quarterback. Mm -hmm. Ty, you didn't mention the the only quarterback that matters is Josh Allen. Come on. Oh, that's true. Uh, hold <laughs> on, man. I blacked out for a minute. 
Adam isn't worried about Trubisky too much. We have uh, a segment <laughs> later where we're talking about like Drake and Jacobs, guys who've been cut into. You're not, well, I guess we'll we'll press Adam on, on that later. But <laughs> no, nah, man, you don't have to worry about nobody. I don't even think Jim Kelly can come back and take uh, Josh Allen's job. Josh Allen, man, I love that dude, so, man. So you you are paying up, like if you you feel like you you should be. Yeah, I think the top four: Allen, Murray, Jackson. Who am I missing? Mahomes. Dak. Mahomes. There you go. Dak. We don't know about his injury. I don't know if he's yep. going to run a lot. He didn't run that much. But the top four, or five. After that, man, could be a big fall off, man. So if I can get one, and then maybe later on get a Matt Ryan, I'm cool with Matt Ryan as my number two. And then uh, I think you're good. But I am trying to get a top tier quarterback that runs. If Russell Wilson too, throw Russell Wilson in there because Russell Wilson's a monster. He's a beast. Aaron Rodgers, I'm not messing with Rodgers, but top four or five rounds, you got to get a stud quarterback. If Watson doesn't play, so they're they're at a point now where he hasn't been traded, of course. They were defiant, and now it looks like it could be bad. Then right now it's Tyrod Taylor. And so this could be a team that drafts a quarterback. I mean, they probably should, especially if they trade him. And that would be interesting for Taylor because he's that's followed him around his whole career. But that'll be an interesting guy to try to evaluate. Right now in these best balls, I don't know if he's going at all, like if he's being drafted at all. But if you get to a point where you're sitting on two or even three, I think there's some chance that he's on the field. Definitely, definitely. I like Tyrod back in the day, especially with you guys. Good uh, game manager, but really no upside running. He doesn't really run that much. They lost uh, Fuller. They only have Cooks. But their defense is going to be so lousy where Taylor's going to have to throw the ball a lot, and they're going to be behind. So I look at that also. But I haven't, dra- I haven't drafted Taylor because I don't know what's going on with that situation. Right. But I think he is getting suspended, man. Yeah, that could happen. Well, Todd, I mean, it's a, it's, I, I love the, the vibe here. You know, it's a year-round game. And you're all over it. I know if I'm watching this show right now, I'm checking to make sure I'm not. You're not in my league because I'm I'm scared. <laughs> like the, this is the deep end, right? You have a, you can't fi- you can't find. You're trying to get your way. So um, I mean, good luck. Uh, you, you've you've had a lot of success. I think that that key there is the the flexibility and the the willingness to be able to draft different strategies depending on what's happening around you. I mean that that seems like a, an important point. Also, a big key is. If you get burned by a player last year, forget I'll it. I'll go right back to him. I'll right. go right back to him. Forget it. Right. No hard, no hard feelings. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it doesn't matter, hard. man, because it's not it's not personal. You will you will get burned, man. So it all depends on the situation. Like I said, offensive coordinator, new quarterback, new coach. If they're playing from behind, and there's a lot of things going on when you draft and you figure out. We don't know the schedule yet, so we don't know exactly who's playing who, when. We know who they're playing, but we don't know exactly the flow of the schedule. So I look at that right now. I look at the schedule and see what teams are playing which. But, man, to me, it's a little bit of everything, man. And I love the process, man. Speaking of the process, what what a great transition there. And you're talking about schedule. And I I use strength to schedule a lot. I know some people say it can be a – you know, a thing that can kind of trip you up, but what's one thing before we go here? Like what, what do you think is what one of the major parts of your process that's kind of made you so successful when in, you know, 
six, seven figures over the years playing fantasy sports, whether it's DFS or whatever, like what's one thing? Cause this whole thing that Mike and I want to do is can I let the people know how the most successful players in the industry do it? Like what's one piece of your process that you think um, is, is very important? Eyeball test. I watch the games and I come up with a, a, a decision. I'm not biased against certain teams. I'm not biased against certain players. It's the eyeball test, man. I'm not sitting there on my phone while I'm watching games and texting. I'm like locked in and watching everything. And it's all about volume, man. If these guys are on the field, good things are going to happen, man. If, if you guys are working all day and you guys come home on a Sunday and watch SportsCenter and you see a tight end catching two touchdowns, but meanwhile you check the stats and the dude was on the field 30% of the time, that means it's luck, man. 30% of the time he got two targets and he got two touchdowns. That ain't going to last, man. So, so what you're saying is you go, you go with your gut and you trust your gut over anybody else who's going to tell you something different. Oh, definitely, man. You guys yep. can tell me all kinds of stuff like do this, do it's my money, man. So I'm going to yep. do, I'm going to draft. I'm going to do what I do with my money and I'm going to trust my process. I'm Love confident it. on my process. And like I said, the money's cool. Don't get me wrong. I live in Cali. I do need money, but the <laughs> process when I'm sitting there and you're watching you win, like, look at that hard work that you put into it. That's rewarding, man. Listen, Mike's getting chills going, going up and down, thinking of the process. He loves the, the process. Well, I know I one thing, Mike, you told me that if you see my name, that you're not going to go against me. So now every time I join FFPC, I got to switch up my name, man. Cause I want to <laughs> go against you. Well, Adam did you a favor. Cause that's not your Twitter down there. I think that's, that's what that's what your sort of name is on Twitter, but DGFL9. We got to watch for that guy. That's right. Love that's my Baxter, cool. man. That's my dog's name. <laughs> what last thing? Who's your favorite running back in this in this draft coming up? I like Etienne, and Love I think it. you guys. I think you guys might draft him. Breida's I mean, not the answer. Uh, yeah, Breida. The question today here was: Does Breida rule out any kind of pick? And uh, I'm not sure it does. I'm not sure it does, but. They have a nice enough team where they could maybe take a shot like that. Otherwise, I would caution against it. But they're they're pretty they're pretty well balanced, pretty deep. Man, if you guys can get like a, a true maybe workhorse man with that offense, I like Sanders' pick. Sanders was a good one. You lost John Brown. You got Sanders. I still think you need a tight end, man. Not sold on Knox right now. Yep. Agreed. Adam, I hope by now people know that Todd is referring to us like the Bills. Like we we're not okay. wearing Bills or anything like that. That's right. Todd, no, he Todd knows. knows. Todd Todd's got a, a Poncho Bia sweatshirt. There it is. He's ready. Oh. I mean, that is just that guy. You 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 don't need any more proof that he, this talk of preparation is is true because right there. That's right. The shirt. Bills Mafia, man, all day. I love them. Even though I'm he on the right. West Coast, I still represent. Love it. Thank you, Todd. We'll uh, we'll be tracking your results here and rooting for you this year. Thanks a lot for being on with us. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Stay thanks safe. so much, Todd. Yep. All right. Todd Kovler at DGFL9. It's a great love shirt. It. Love California. Love the whole thing. Love the energy. Yeah, no, Todd, Todd's great. You can tell he's a he's a he's a fantasy football player, man. He's just tr- trusts his gut. Trust the eye, the, the eye test. That's and what's funny is, it, you know, that's like old school now, right? Like people who actually just watch the games and they do it that way. And because a lot of people, you know, they it's it's analytics, it's it's numbers, and just to see a kind of an old school mentality to fantasy football, 
is just refreshing. You know, trust your gut, man. Well, he's putting a lot of his money into it. I mean, the kind of numbers we're talking about there, that is that is a serious investment. So uh, you have to do well to be able to survive with those sort of dollars. Well, it's the time of year where free agency is mostly played out. There have been some interesting developments. I was kind of I was hoping for a little bit more chaos than we got. Uh, then you've got the draft coming up. So some players, you and I have both been drafting, and, and some players – stocks have changed, right, Adam? I mean, you, for, for better or worse, whether it's a player who changed teams or even like in terms of Green Bay, a player who didn't. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, um, what an exciting, I mean, what a, what a great run there for like a week, a week or two, uh, you know, just to figure out who was going where. It was fun. Some, you know, some guesses were right. Some guesses were, were, were wrong. And uh, But yeah, Aaron Jones, I think is a right, even though he has he didn't leave, I think he's, definitely a riser you know he comes he's back in an offense that he's familiar with offense he's been very su- successful in and uh, i think he's 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 gonna he's in store for more for, for more touches you know aj dillon is on on the rise there i think but i don't think aj dillon is is, is going to be the 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 answer as the receiving back right so when i'm looking for a running back uh, I'm looking for a guy who's going to score touchdowns and going to get catches those are the two like receiving yards come with the catches but rushing yards really uh, don't mean a lot to, to me as far as fantasy results i want touchdowns which are hard to predict and catches so i don't think aj Dillon's going to turn into their third down back right so and, and uh, jamal williams is gone so and he was he he took a lot of the pass down work and he was he was a fairly t- uh, talented back too so i think aaron jones is in for um, a, a season like he had t- two years ago, where he gets a lot, a lot more volume, and can score double-digit touchdowns, get sixty catches. Um, I'm excited about Aaron Jones at the top of the second round. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think he is about as safe right now. So March 25th, I think he is about as safe as anybody. Derrick Henry is pretty safe. McCaffrey is pretty safe, although there may be a new quarterback. Jones, like what what are the questions? You you can have a question about Dylan and they're up the upside, but I just don't worry about the Packers really going after new weapons. And the fact that they drafted Dylan in the second round last year, they may not even care. Like they may they'd be right to not evaluate or not use him just based on that. It shouldn't matter. He's on the team. How good are you? What can your role be? And Jones with Rodgers is a team that went, what, 13 and three, two years in a row. They've had yeah. two very good seasons in a row. Quarterback, coordinator, all of it is going to be very much like it was last year, if not exactly. Jamal Williams leaving shouldn't be bad for him. I mean, maybe Dylan takes that role a little bit. I think there's just every reason to like Aaron Jones. And if I'm drafting at 10 or 11, in a best ball right now, I would do it. I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, you got Tyreek Hill down there. The tight ends, FFPC with the tight end premium can really distort that because you see Waller and, and Kittle go in that spot. But I think Jones yeah. has an argument for top, for first round. Yeah. You know, we're, we get so, we get so locked into FFPC stuff because that's, you know, at least for, I do a lot of FFPC, a lot of the high stakes stuff. It's FFPC, but you're right. You get you get rid of some of those t- tight ends, and now Jones the back end of the first round for sure. And I think as the offseason progresses, I think like you said, safe people are going to look and they're going to see that safety 
uh, and they're gonna they're, they're gonna move him up there. And like you said, I think AJ Dillon's gonna get a lot of Jamal Williams rushing work, but I don't think he's gonna get a lot of the passing work that, that Jamal Williams got. And I think so. I think that's gonna go to I think it's gonna go to Jones, and he could he could have a, he could have a real nice year for sure. Who else do you like here as a riser? Yeah, I like Ch- Chase Edmonds. You know, f- for now, obviously Dr- Drake's gone. You know, Chase Edmonds ADP. I'm gonna look it up right now, but Chase Edmonds ADP has been through 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 the roof, right since uh, since Drake left. But this is kind of a like you said, March 25th riser, right? You know, I don't think they're going into the season the same with the clear cut one or anything like that. Um, they could they could draft a running back, so which is probably what they're going to do. But right now, if you're if, if you're drafting now. You know, uh, Chase Edmonds makes sense, but this could certainly uh, change right after draft day. I wonder what Arizona does next. You you never know about the draft, and there, I mean, there are plenty of running. It's not three guys or two guys. There are Correct. plenty of running backs. You get Correct. to Hubbard and Kylan Hill, and you get and Gainwell. There yep. are ten. There are plenty of running backs in the draft that a team like this could end up drafting, even if it's day three. I mean, what was Gibson? Robinson wasn't drafted at all, and they become a player. Arizona has to have somebody else in that roster. Yes. So Fournette is interesting, still being a free agent. I guess I would I would predict he goes back to Tampa, but I have no idea, really. And I, I think probably what, what happens is Edmonds ends up being Edmonds, which is somebody that he's difficult to start. Now, if we're talking about best ball, as we are, I mean, there are going to be weeks where he helps you. But I wouldn't want to be racing to him right now because I think they have to do something else. Yeah, I felt weary to kind of putting it on there, you know, because, but I was, you know, someone could be like, oh, what about Chase Edmonds? So technically Chase Edmonds now, but yeah, like you said, there's so many, uh, there's there's some depth at running back in this draft. And what's interesting is too, is we say Chase Edmonds, if they take a running back on day, on day two even, that run, like one of these top six or seven prospects, that running back is going to shoot up eight ADP for sure. Cause you know, they're probably going to get the early down work and they're probably going to get goal line work, you know, although Kyler Murray take, takes a lot of that away, but so yeah, it's going to be interesting, but uh, you know, either, either way, I think Edmonds is going to have, have a role at least as a third down pass catching back. I mean, he's shown great, great flashes. So, um, but, but Adam, like what, what's the value of that? You know, like what, what if, what if he's Tariq Cohen? Like what? What if you're if you're drafting him at the at the high end of his range? I think I think you're right. I mean, I think there's a pretty good chance he ends up being some somebody's Geo Bernard or something like that. Yeah, and some somebody we're not talking about is Arizona's number one. If you're drafting on day, you're drafting a running back on day two as the Cardinals. I mean, he's your running back. Whoever that, if it's Gainwell or whoever that is, yeah, he's the number one. No, I totally, I totally get it, and I'm actually looking for his ADP right now to try to f- see. He's definitely rising. I can't, I, I can't find it, but yeah, he's um. Oh, there we go. Uh, he's RB twenty eight. Uh, he's going in um, seventh round, seven two. Um, Are you looking at Fantasy Mojo? Fantasy Mojo. Yep. Sorry, Fantasy Mojo ADP. He's going in the se- beginning of the seventh round. So as as RB twenty eight. You know, if you take him as RB twenty eight, when the Cardinals draft a running back, he's probably not going to be. Uh, RB 28, but you know, he's, he could have those spot weeks too, you know, where there's, if there's an injury, he comes in, he's going to have those weeks uh, where he gets, you have six, seven catches. So, but yeah, he's not going to be the, the guy most likely after the NFL draft. Yeah. Looking at those names on the Mojo site, Melvin Gordon, 25, Ronald Jones, 27, Javante Williams, 24. I like all of those guys more. I have a little bit of Edmonds, but 
I don't I don't know. Yeah. Um anybody else for the risers? Oh, one of one of my one of my favorites. Love Josh Reynolds. <laughs> Love me some Josh Reynolds. Yeah, I mean, what do you think, Mike? I mean, you know you, you know how I feel about Josh Reynolds. What do what are, what are your thoughts on his on his new location and can he can he put up a, a you know a wide receiver three season? I think it's very interesting. He is somebody I would be drafting at his price because it's just too obvious. I mean, with Davis gone, Davis was that was a really nice year. And what else are they going to be? No Corey Davis, no Jonu Smith, no Humphreys. If you if you want to go that far, I mean, it's still a Derrick Henry team, but. They've been in the playoffs two years in a row, AFC Championship. They probably are a team that thinks they have it figured out. And so you could see a rookie there brought in. Corey Davis is a rookie, if it matters, did really not get that much going on. A.J. No, Brown he, is the, is the alpha. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you'll probably see at least one more name there if you count certain rookies as that. But they, they went for Reynolds. It was pretty early in free agency. And so they must think he can be, he can play a role for them. What that is, you know, again, it, yeah. like it all, it always comes down to what, what round and what, what the price is. But yeah, I, I'm certainly, I'm certainly curious about that. Yeah. My only, uh, my only concern is the fact that they lost, you know, they lost Arthur Smith. Right. So, you know, what's the offense exactly going to look like, you know, right now he's uh, Josh Reynolds is the wide receiver 81 going in the 24th round. You know, so nobody so, wide receivers don't even wear 81 anymore. That's right. That's right. And uh, you know, that's 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 free. You're getting him for free. And he could be he could be Corey Davis this this year. I mean, Josh Reynolds has been stuck behind great receivers for the Rams the last couple of years. I don't think he really fits their scheme there. He's more of a he's more of a Corey Davis downfield athletic type player. You know, he could just slide right into that role. Uh, if he plays 16 games and is 80% of, of Corey Davis, he's certainly gonna, gonna, gonna pay off, you know, wide receiver, 80, 81 price, you know? So, so yeah, we'll see, but I think he's got, he's one of those guys you can take in the 24th round that, Hey, you know, if he has, a, if he has a Corey Davis season there now, you know, he's a, I don't want to say he's a league winner, but you know, you get those guys that outplay their ADP by 12 rounds, 13 rounds, 14 rounds. That, that, that's what makes your money. So uh, I definitely like um, Josh Reynolds uh, there. Yeah, I think at that at that level, you know, you you can't expect too much. I think you can be fine there. I think in a in a redraft league, you could see him in a three three receiver starting lineup, two flex a league like that. He, he you might see him play, but I I think like Arizona, like we've talked about, there's a little bit more to do in uh, in Tennessee. Yeah, let, let's get to AJ Dillon. We talked about uh, Aaron Jones, and the the flip side of that is Dillon. Look, it, it was a draft investment, like a serious investment. When he played, of course, mostly later on in the season, but that's not worse, he did pretty well. So um, dynasty, really, I think a Dylan in terms of that, you, you can't trade him right now. He, he can't be a sell because of, the, of Jones signing there after it had been expected that he, that he wasn't going to, or at least it, it was possible. So I think you got to hang in there on Dylan, and I think there is still a chance that you can you can do all right there. Like you were never starting Jamal Williams, so you know you need Jones out of the way eventually. But I don't I don't think Dylan is dead 
in terms of fantasy where he is. No, I mean, in an age where running backs are always getting hurt. And here's the interesting, interesting thing about that situation is right. Dylan has shown the ability, right. And the Packers kind of, you know, this should have been brought up during the, um, the Aaron Jones portion, but if, if the guy sneezes, they don't, they don't let him play. If the guy even touches like, oh, my knee might be hurt, they don't, they don't let him play. So, I mean, Aaron Jones last year, if you remember, set out like three weeks, said he was good to go after the first week of sitting out. And the only reason they played him after three weeks was because the other running backs were in contact with, with COVID. So they, he was the only like active running back on the roster and they, they had to play him. So that all that to say that A.J. Dillon is certainly going to get some opportunities if Aaron Jones even gets injured slightly. So he's certainly worth a handcuff at the very least. He's going right now in the eighth round. It's a little pricey for a handcuff that, you know, that's like a Tony Pollard type spot where Pollard was going last year. That's like an elite handcuff. Do I think he's an elite handcuff? No, because I don't think he has that pass catching. I don't think he has that standalone value, but like you said, you weren't starting Jamal Williams, but if Aaron Jones goes down, Dylan, Dylan, uh, I think would would do really really well. So eight eight round, you know. Usually I'm not taking a guy there unless I maybe I took Aaron Jones and I just wanted to secure that that RB one or at least mid level RB two by getting AJ Dillon in case of, of an injury. But yeah, Di- Dynasty, you're holding him, you're not selling him, you're not going to get much for him, and hope maybe they you know they trade him next year or he leaves. This will be his second year, so yeah, he can't leave after next year. But usually, talented running backs find find a home and are successful early on in their career, unless it is Tony Pollard, and I draft him every year. So, hey, I, I don't think their situations are that different. I like Pollard, <laughs> but yeah, you got to hang in there with Dylan in, in Dynasty. You can do it in 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 these best balls, but you know, you get to these point a point in each best ball draft where like, okay, what are my options at each position? And we're talking about Edmonds and Dylan in this range where I think you want to be drafting receivers there. Like if, if you get to a point where you're at that running back 25 to 30 range and you feel like you need one, you might be in trouble. And then you just got to hope that something breaks and they get on the field. Josh Jacobs. Now this is a serious, this is a serious one. Yeah. And this is a franchise that you just cannot trust. (laughs) <laughs> to make optimal decisions at all. They they draft Jacobs in the first round. They do not throw the ball to him. And now they kind of just cut his legs off with the Kenyon Drake signing. I don't know. I don't know why they would ever have even thought of that idea. It, it, they, they just must think Jacobs needs help. And where does that leave you in terms of him on your, your dynasty team or in these drafts, I mean, he, he, he's hurt bad by that move. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. Well, it's not insane. What's insane was, was hiring a guy who was out of football for 10 years. Who's an old school coach that, you know, to give him, what would they give him like a 10 year contract or something stupid? That was, that was insane. And this, this is what you get. You get a high draft pick on Josh Jacobs. Then they don't use him Right. Then they go pick up Kenyon Drake. And now Josh Jacobs is, you know, whatever. It's well, the the unfortunate thing, and this is where the difference between like player analysis and actual drafting kind of mix here is. I don't own any Josh Jacobs in Dynasty, and I wasn't planning on drafting him this year at ADP. Uh, so I'm kind of annoyed that they picked up Kenyon Drake because now now he's falling, and now no one's on him. At least before the people who right. 
you know, I didn't like him and now, but now nobody likes him. So that, that does kind of, kind of stink, but yeah, I mean, I mean, let me, let me see where he's going right now. He's probably in the, he's gotta be in the fourth rounder right now. Yeah. Four one. Exactly. He's going at the four, four one. He's not even like, he came up and go, Oh, he's super talented. He's talented. He's not, you know, uh, all pro. So I'm not touching him in the fourth round. I'm taking a receiver over, over Josh Jacobs for, for, for sure. Yeah, eventually the price becomes okay, but just no confidence in in that uh, in that situation at all. Yeah. Well, anybody else on the fallers list? Nicole Hardman. There's been talk of you know them that them drafting a guy um, there. Or Sammy Watkins is a free agent. I don't know. He's, he's, Sammy hasn't signed anywhere yet, right, Mike? No, no. You know, and, and a kind of another guy with Nicole Hardman there that I, I forgot to write his name in there, but Marquise Brown. So, you know, two guys, two field stretchers that just um, haven't really lived up to what fantasy owners, at least, uh, would be would, would be looking out of them. So um, he just hasn't pr- produced – Hardman hasn't produced consistent fantasy value. I think at this point, um, you know, he only saw a 65% snap share in a quarter of his regular season games last year. And I think that at this point, Hardman is really just a Tyreek Hill ha- handcuff. Right, because you can't even like when Sammy Watkins went down, Hardman didn't do anything. They had a couple other receivers; they were there, they were mixing in there. So I think if you've got Tyreek Hill, take a flyer on Mikael Hardman for the right putt price and in, in, in the in like the the, the teen rounds. Because at this point, you know, outside of that, there's there's just been nothing there for him. Well, I'm of two minds about Hardman. They have tried to sign good wide receivers. They tried on Juju. They tried on was it Hilton? Like they have yep. moved on guys, and for one reason or another, they're not signing. Maybe it's because they don't think they can. If it's a one-year offer, then how many targets is that, and what's my sort of market value in a year? So that's sort of odd. I mean, Baltimore is one thing. Kansas City on those players and being spurned by those players is another. I do think Hardman is really good, and I think he can be really nice value. He's still young. Maybe we're spoiled by rookie receivers that just come in right away. Yes. Hill and Kelsey are dominant figures there. I mean, I, I think we saw in the Buffalo game in the playoffs, Hardman, that is a rare talent. That is a guy who can just – it's a game-breaking play he made in that game uh, with that run after he fumbled the punt too earlier in the game, didn't he? Yes, yes. So they go right back to him, and he produced. No, yeah, Hardman's definitely t- talented. He's actually going right now in the in, in the eighteenth round, which is actually a lot lower than I thought he was going. But that's why we call it fallers, right? So he's 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 fallen to the eighteenth round. Last year he was going in the, you know, the sometimes the ninth or tenth tenth round there. So in the eighteenth round, especially if you have Tyree Kill, at that point, like, like you said, he is very talented. Uh, he's certainly worth a shot in the eighteenth round. Uh, but that's a, certainly a fall from where he was going last year in the you know the 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 tenth, ninth, eleventh round. Yes, and that's also, I mean, even at his status, that's also a range where there are lots of wide receivers you can make arguments for. That's where Marvin Jones goes. Sure. And, and Marvin Jones could be a home run with the Rams. That's where a lot of the rookies go. You know, you have Aguilar. I mean, nobody seems to like Aguilar, but he could be a number one. So <laughs> I, I think there are there are lots of different best case scenarios for receivers in, the, in that range. And I just wouldn't, I wouldn't want to rule Hardman out. I think he's on the right team and there's still reason to believe in, in the player and the situation. Yeah, no, I totally get it. A lot of these, this area of the draft are filled with, you know, guys, you know, like Jalen Rager's down here in the 16th round. Like, 
Is that a guy we want to rule out? You know, Philadelphia was a dumpster fire last year with that. Like, is he, he's the, I think he was the number one. No, he was with the number two receiver taken in the draft last year. Number two Ruggs, or three. Ruggs was number one. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, they obviously like him. I mean, granted it's a new, it's a new staff coming in, but you know, he was, he's talented. Is that, you know, that's a guy you take a flyer on a lot of these, Late round receivers, man. That's why in these best balls, I pound running back early and then just take flyers on all these late round receivers and um, and hopefully hit hit one of them. It's so hard not to do that. Right. I'm in, a, I'm in a draft now. It's the 14th round, and this is not something I always do, but my first three picks were all running backs because it just – you know what's going to happen. So that went Taylor, Mixon – Gibson, Taylor Gibson Mixon was the order there. And then in round six, five or six, Melvin Gordon, who I think is a, is a, a great value there. And so let's see what happens. And you get to the mid rounds, this, like I said, I'm in the 14th. And there's just a lot that there's a lot to like in, in that phase. You get your quarterbacks taken care of. Now, what, what's the other side of the coin? If everybody does that, then you're just one of several teams in your league using the same strategy and just philosophically, that makes it harder to win. Sure. So, I mean, I, I just I find myself all the time looking at receiver in this range. And Marquise Brown, you mentioned, he's a little bit earlier. I am just baffled by how Baltimore, they tried, I guess, but still you just don't get the sense that they really believe in loading up at wide receiver and they want to try to win the same way. They, they might be successful. They have led the league in point differential two years in a row. That is not, it's not nothing. And so they're a team, I think again, this year, there will be value in Baltimore because you're just going to hear the same sort of basic, they can't throw business. And really like, there's just a lot of reasons to sort of, that just sort of refute that. The question becomes, do they want to, do they need to, if they're dominant, like they've been running the ball, you just don't get the opportunities. And that might be the biggest reason why guys like Kenny Galladay and Juju didn't end up signing there. A, a Juju or a Galladay would have been so good for Brown. I was drafting Brown before thinking they would add one and maybe it'll be Watkins. I don't know, but they still haven't done it. Yeah, no, I get it. And and what's interesting is too, like, you know, people are, are so low on Brown. If they don't get anybody, I mean, Brown doesn't, Brown's a riser to me, right? I mean, he's, he's only going to going to get better. And if they don't add anyone there, that's that's a that's a value. Like he's the number one. I mean, obviously Andrews, I think, is the number one target there, but he's the number one receiver there. It's like, you know, eventually you're gonna take him and 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 he's got some some talent for sure. So uh yeah, though, they just they just don't want to pass the ball. And and as much as like I'm for fantasy, I love Lamar Jackson. Uh for the for an NFL, I always just you know, give me the give me the pocket passer, the traditional p- p- pocket passer, but you at least gotta gotta got to give them some help Let, like let's see you know and they just they're just not they're not doing it which is which is which is sad you know but the, the guy they have is Duvernay and Duvernay is nice but they just never really turned to him and they were still using Willie Sneed all the time which was was frustrating because Duvernay is another guy I sort of believe in but we don't yep. know yet we have no evidence really that they'll go into this year thinking that it's his his time right. uh, you can you can hope and he, he's not somebody that really comes up at all in these sort of conversations, but I know a lot will change between now and um, even, even summer, I guess, or just certainly week one. Let's, let's do a couple of things late round quarterbacks. Cause it's getting late, but yep. we talked about Tyrod Taylor earlier with Todd on 
we'll see. That doesn't have to become anything. Just give me your takes on Dalton and Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, so much love. Oh, Terry McLaurin, all these things. Dalton goes to Chicago, and it's poor Allen Robinson. I don't know. How, diff- <laughs> how different is it? How different are the two quarterbacks or the two situations? You know, in terms of fantasy, you're looking, you get into these best balls and you're later on. How much different is Fitzpatrick and Dalton for you? And like, how do you figure that out? It's hard because Dalton, you know, as, as, as a Bills fan, like Dalton got us into the playoffs a couple of years ago. <laughs> uh, and Fitzpatrick's, you know, a legend across the NFL. You know, um, the situations are slightly different to me because Fitzpatrick, to me, uh, for your receivers – right? In fantasy, you want them to play for a quarterback. You don't care if the quarterback's good. You want the quarterback to be a gunslinger and willing to give his receivers uh, a chance. You know, that's why Jameis Winston, who stunk two years ago, but threw for a million yards and had a million touchdowns, like fantasy owners don't care as long as the receivers are lighting it up. So the Fitzpatrick situation, I like for fantasy more because of his propensity to just not only does he sling it, but he focuses it. He gets the best players involved. And that's, it, it sounds so simple, but a lot of coaching staffs, a lot of quarterbacks don't, don't do it. So I lean more towards the Fitzpatrick situation than I do uh, towards the Dalton situation personally for, for, for me. But the one kind of situation that I'm, that I'm targeting right now in best ball drafts, and that's for now is uh, the saints. Like I love I love, and I know this might sound weird, but I love doing the the Saints quarterback stack. I love getting Hill. So where Hill's going in the 19th and Winston's going in the 11th. And I love taking both of them because one of them is going to succeed, right? I think one of them is going to be a QB1. You know, we talked last year during the podcast about wouldn't it be fun if if Breeze didn't come back or whatever and Taysom Hill ended up taking over because he got hurt and whatever. Everyone's, oh, it's Jameis Winston. Then like Saturday it gets announced Taysom Hill's the quarterback. And I'm like, oh man, and he was and he was amazing. He was amazing for for himself. He wasn't amazing for Alvin Kamara. He wasn't amazing for a lot of other players, but you know, all the running and the touchdowns. That's at this point in the season, that's what I'm targeting. Because as soon as one of those guys gets announced the starter, their ADP is going to shoot through the roof. So, you know, what's a, what's a 19th round pick uh, for Taysom Hill to kind of uh, pair him up there with, um, with Winston, even if you think Winston's going to be the starter. Yeah, I get that. I mean, that would be a question for me of going back to Rich Rebar and what he wrote, like how many quarterbacks do I want? Yep. I I was listening to Michael Leone talk about this and I, I just like this point. I've gotten to know Mike a little bit. And he's like, when you're building these teams, you have to remind yourself certain things are going to have to go right to win, no matter what kind of build you come up with. And so you have to let some of that go. If you're drafting whoever, like any one of these quarterbacks, you can't be too worried about protecting them that you're spending otherwise valuable picks on backups and just different alternatives. So you know, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or somebody like you, if you draft Aaron Rodgers, you probably need a 5,000 yard year from him. And you can draft all the Tyrod Taylors and Andy Daltons that you want, but really you have to sort of count on that. So I, I think there's a, a good sort of logical base of that Saints idea. I certainly wouldn't, I wouldn't argue it. I think Winston is their quarterback. I mean, I think that's likely to be what happens and they've paid Taysom Hill. So they'll probably use him in the same kind of ways as they did with Breeze. And that's in a best ball, there can be value to that. You never want to have to start him, you know, unless Winston is out, of course. Sure. And that's kind of what I'm talking about is these early best balls. I mean, 
you need things to go right. I just envision, you know, in best ball, I'm usually drafting three quarterbacks. Okay. So, I'm, you know, I'll take just any guy earlier than J- Jameis Winston, right? Let's say you take oh, whatever T- Tom Brady. Okay. Now you take, you know, you're going to take two more quarterbacks where you get Jameis Winston, right? And you get to Taysom Hill. And what you end up getting there is you get, you're getting a quarterback one out of one of them, right? You're getting their handcuff with the other one. So if one of them goes down, you still got two, two starting quarterbacks for your, for your team. And like you said, Taysom Hill has standalone value in, in best ball. Like I think they're going to use Taysom Hill more than they, than they were with Drew Brees because they might not trust Winston as much as they trusted Brees. So Taysom Hill could get in there on a lot of goal line situations. I mean, there could be situations where Taysom Hill doesn't even start the game at quarterback and scores two or three, three touchdowns. Right. So, and he's actually done that before. So for me personally, I love that idea. Took a quarterback earlier than that. And then take those two guys um, and just have fun, you know, have have fun with it. I want to see a receiver in new Orleans day two of the draft. doesn't matter who one of those guys between four and 10 in the wide receiver crop on new Orleans, because they need somebody. Yeah. I think uh, there. So, well, it's. I want to say it's just the beginning. I almost did. It. It is for it is. some. For others, it's you know just sort of another milepost, right? We're driving across the country, getting <laughs> ready for the season, and we're we're we've been driving for a couple of months here. That's right. Um, we'll we'll continue to recruit some of the biggest winners in the high stakes world and bring them to you guys on the deep end and sort of find out about their strategy. I think it'll be a good challenge to find variation in, in strategies because you you will hear a lot of the same things. We get we get closer, we'll be talking more about specific players in that strategy. And I think there's just always there's always a lot to talk about and, and uh, learn from. So it should be a really fun year. Yeah, I'm excited for next week. Stay tuned. I don't, um, got a couple things in the works for guests for next week. Not sure who it's going to be. But the guys that we're re- reaching out to, it's going to be a really great, great show. Um, super, I'm super excited for it. Oh, you mean we're on again next week? Yeah, let's let, let's go, let's go. Maybe not. Right. Maybe maybe it's two weeks. Because I didn't realize we were doing this every week. No, of we don't have we to do it every no, week. I, I'm but... just kidding. I'm just kidding. Of course we did. <laughs> All right, so we'll be back. It might be Tuesday next week, but follow the Deep End FF1 on uh, Twitter and deep find us there. Yeah, or Deep End oh, FF. You'll, there's nobody else like us, so you'll find it. Deep End FF1, Draft Sharks will point you the way at Shope Talk for me, S-C-H-O-P-P-T-A-L-K, at Adam Krautwurst for Adam. And, you know, ask your questions, give us your suggestions, wh- who you want to see, what you want to hear discussed, and we will consider them. So um, thank sure. you for watching tonight. See you guys. <laughs>